0: Okay, Uh, for those of you who are sick and tired of the sports analogies, we're moving on. Um, No, 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 this is good, this is good, this is good. Um, I'm going to talk about something today that I hope all of you have experienced or will experience. I realize that taking you down these downhill courses may be something that will have to wait till heaven for some of you. Uh, But I'm talking about love today. And I'm talking about my love story um, with my wife. It's been a story that I've been wanting to share since we got married last year. So bear with me as I kind of take you through God's journey and the work he's done in me and the work he's done in us and, and in her It'll to bring us all together. It's just a beautiful story. So like any story, we need a little backstory. Uh, Skiing, you know, has been the top priority in my life for a long time. And when I'm on the road, traveling, uh, feeling pretty alone and wanting a partner like much of you uh, have wanted or still want a partner to share life with. Um, I don't know if it's just kind of like the affectionate home that I grew up in or what, but I certainly felt called to like share life with somebody. And not everyone necessarily feels that call, and I want to respect that, Um, but I felt that I really wanted to share life with someone. And like many young youth at CFO, I have many, many journal entries in here of, God, show me the one. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there was high school relationships, nothing of great structure, that all fizzled out relatively quickly, Um, but God was doing work there. God was teaching me. God was refining me, as he talks about, you know, refining silver in the fiery furnace, um, making me pure. Uh, I'll never forget the first time a girl uh, who I was dating said, wow, you are so shallow. And I was like, oh, God, I don't really know what that means, but it it doesn't sound good. (laughs) And those words that God was speaking into me from other people, that work that I needed to do in myself long before I was ready for any kind of relationship. She was not the right one. (laughs) How many of you ever seen the movie Cool Runnings? Oh my gosh, guys, that has been the best survey response I've gotten out of you guys all week. So, okay, we're going to run with cool runnings. Uh, total, total aside, sorry, Don, this has nothing to do with my point, uh, but the internet at my house, uh, when we were setting up our internet, we were opening up our home, and it really bothers me when you walk into somebody's house and you ask for an internet password, and, you know, they got to, like, go to God in prayer to figure out what the internet password is. <laughs> Like, honey, what's that? Like, is it like the dog's name and then the kid's name and then like the year we were married? I I can't really remember. And you're just like trying and trying and trying. Anyways, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be the change I want to see in this world. And uh, so my internet is uh, Cool Runnings is the is the name of the network. And the password is Peace Be the Journey. Um, but even better, wait, 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 wait. Uh, in this modern 21st century, you can get a QR code for your internet. So on our fridge tape the QR code. You just go right up there, scan the QR code, immediately in the network. Yeah, incredible. incredible. Uh, so Mac and I, uh, believe it or not, you know, we didn't meet each other until 2018, but our lives had walked similar paths. And I don't mean just figuratively, I mean physically. Similar paths in terms of where in this world God had taken us. She grew up in Stowe, Vermont, which is in uh, two states over from Maine, a ski town very similar to Sugarloaf. And she started ski racing a little bit when she was a kid, um, but wasn't getting like the attention and, you know, uh, like actual coaching from her coaches. And then she went to hockey practice and the coaches were like really helping her. So she stopped ski racing pretty early on. But a lot of her childhood friends went on to ski race. And I knew a lot of her childhood friends, even like some of her bridesmaids in her wedding were like girls that I had skied with. Might have had a crush on to a couple of them, which she thinks is hilarious now. (laughs) And uh, so God was like, "Nope, you're not going to meet her in skiing, right?" You know, like we could have met when we were young. Like I I know a lot of her childhood friends really well. Then, years later, uh, I go to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire, but I just go part time in the springs kind of slowly chipping away at an undergraduate degree and she also went to Dartmouth College and we overlapped there and she played Division I college hockey and I went to a women's hockey game randomly, one of my terms because there were some other kids in my class we were like, hey, let's all go to a hockey game so we went to a hockey game and I watched her play but I didn't know she was there we didn't meet at Dartmouth um, we I want to I I take this slow here So I had been praying for Mac to walk into my life for a lot of years. Um, You know, in sports, we often say it's a 20-year overnight success, right? (laughs) Like, you know, it's a beautiful thing now, but and you so quickly forget, like, the years and years of patiently waiting, as Joy was talking about uh, this morning in morning meditation. And God didn't give it to me. You know, I wanted it. It wasn't there. It wasn't coming. Back to the Cool Runnings movie. Uh, There's one serious line in the whole movie. Um, They're sitting in the dorm room, and the coach cheated. right? He won two gold medals, but the second gold medal, he hid weights in the front of the sled to make it go faster. And Doris Banek asks him, coach, why did you do it? Um, And he goes, well, it it wasn't enough. One One gold medal wasn't enough, and I had to win. I had to win. And Darice kind of ponders this. He says, coach, when will I know when it's enough? And the coach looks at him and says, if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. When you go to my Instagram profile, you know, Sam the Ski Racer, right there underneath my name. Cool runnings, baby. If you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. This has been a quote that has influenced so many aspects of my life. You know, obviously heavily in sports, you know, realizing you're enough without the gold medal. But again, in relationships, all these years of asking God, why, you know, when, how, who. Him saying, if you're not enough without this person, this person isn't going to make you whole. You know, we put a lot of false promise in the significant other to somehow complete us. And it's a beautiful thing. But God is the only one that truly can make us feel whole and complete us. And it wasn't until the winter of 2018 that I'd finally said, You know what, God? I'm fine being single. I had stopped looking. I had given up, and I'd begun to really enjoy that. The freedom, the bachelorness, uh, just living life, not with the angst of, oh my gosh, am I going to meet my person today? And giving that over to God, laying the foot of His cross, and just saying, God, if you want it. Uh, at this point, my life had taken so many odd turns with ski racing. My schedule was just like so hectic and wild that I knew if someone was going to come into my life that he was going to have to bring her there. Uh, because there was no way that you know I was just going to take uh, your NARP, you know, non-athletic regular person, and somehow fit them into my life. No offense. Um, so. In Park City, Utah, we have a big gym. It's where we work out. It's originally when I made the team. Uh, I, head out, I headed out west to live there on and off throughout the summers, and I've been there for over nine years. But we'd just go there for, like, two- to three-week training camps often at a time, and we'd live with these host families when we were there, so we didn't have to pay rent um, in a really expensive ski town. So I'd live with various host families over the year. It's, like, a phenomenal experience. If you ever get the opportunity to, like, host an athlete or... Um, to be hosted, it's like it's a really cool experience to have. Particularly the people that like really felt like they were getting to like pour into my journey and like take them along the road with me. Um, and I felt like I had like multiple sets of parents in that, which is really powerful. But this one family, the Glusker family, had taken me in, and I had lived there on and off for a couple of years. And uh, the spring of 2018, I reached out and said, "Hey, I'm coming out for a training camp. Uh, can I stay with you guys for this two weeks?" And they said, "Oh." Sorry, no, uh, we have someone else living with us. And I was like, okay, whatever. They're like, yeah, it's just this girl had moved out from Vermont and is working at the ski team. And I was like, okay, whatever. On, on to the next spot. So uh, you know, I ended up staying with somebody else. And they're like, but we'd love to have you over for dinner. I'm um, like, a consolation prize? Like, I wanted some free rent. <laughs> okay, I'll take a free meal. Uh, I'm not above that. And uh, so I went over to dinner and Mackenzie was there. This was the first time I ever like, actually met her or shared a meal with her. Um, you know, it was not love at first sight. It was, this was fall of October, 2018, walked out of that dinner, didn't think of her again. I think she followed me on Instagram, didn't follow her back. That really bothered her. Um, went on and, uh, went on and, you know, went off and had a whole season of racing. You know, I didn't, didn't think about it twice. I just, I meet a lot of people and she was just another person I met. And, uh, to find out like she was in a relationship at that time so like it wasn't the right time for us to meet and then the next spring 2019 uh i reach out to the glass again hey i'm coming out for a training camp is uh is there any room in your home and they're like yes yeah please come stay with us And i'm like oh thank god that girl's out of there Get my free spot back and uh they say oh no she's still there yeah. and i'm like she's still there well, where am i sleeping Oh, well, we cleared out another bedroom in our basement and and you can stay there. So there's two bedrooms in their basement. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I move in the spring of 2019 into their basement. And I think we're going to switch over to a journal entry for this next part. Okay, so this was June 20th, 2019, on the Concord coach traveling back to Maine. So this was like I, was, I was in Utah that spring, and then this is coming back to Maine. I don't even know where to begin. Warren Miller once said, to never let the truth get in the way of telling a good story. <laughs> However, the truth in this one is a pretty good story. But I leave it to the reader to digest the real truth. I show up to Park City four weeks ago, with the full intention of working out hard, going on some weekend adventures, and then traveling back to Maine today with no regrets. Life has a funny way of throwing the unexpected at you. The surprise came in the form of the dreaded female. A bit of a strange creature, really. Difficult to draw in and even more challenging to keep, but this was one this one was effortlessly easy. No walking on eggshells, no awkward conversations with her best friend to try to gauge interest. It just happened. Her name is Mackenzie St. hailing from Stowe, Vermont. She was born in 1995 and was the class of 2017 from Dartmouth. Captain of the women's hockey team and all around badass. I'm not going to lie, I'm scared. Not scared out of fear, but out of excitement. She's the first girl I've met that really hits the three steps, three, three step criteria of. Okay, and we're, we're gonna pause right here. Um, no, 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 we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna read through this, but I just feel like this needs a little. So she was the first girl to hit the three step criteria. And three step criteria, phenomenal uh, moment. You know, I, I, I've been talking to my dad about, hey, you know, what, what should I be looking for, right? You know, like in somebody out there. And in me, I was like, okay, I want her to be a believer in God, you know, believer in bigger something, something bigger than herself. Um, that's like a dangerous thing, just believe in yourself. And I really wanted her to have an adventurous spirit. Like someone who's willing to like sleep in my minivan in the Walmart parking lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my dad said, and she needs to ski. And I'm like, we're asking a lot here, Dad. Some steep criteria. And I'm like, Dad, you know, you met Mom. She's lovely. She didn't know how to ski when you met her. he just goes, exactly. (laughs) He goes, you don't realize, you know, how much of your life that is. And to not share that with the person you're going to share the rest of your life with, not necessarily impossible, but would have been tough. Would have been tough. So, my kind of three criteria that I'd put before the Lord and said, Hey, if you can answer this, I'll follow into it. Of being a skier, being a believer in God, and being an adventurer. We were having one of those late evening chats like you do with someone when you first meet them, sharing over your life. And at one point she asked me, What is your criteria for life? Well, I completely misheard that, and I heard, what is your criteria for a wife? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, all right, God, we're doing it. And I just sent it. And uh, oh, man. Because I first said, I just said, well, she needs to ski. And at first she's like, wait, criteria for life? And then she like stopped me right there. And she's like, did you not understand my question? And I was like, did you ask for a wife? She's like, no, life. But now I got to hear it. (laughs) And I wish she was here to tell this part of the story. But I think that. You know, it was obviously like a huge step early on in the relationship to just share that with somebody, but also like scary for her to hear that and be like, yep, 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 you know? (laughs) So three steps. I hope that I'm not just jumping the gun with her because she's the first of this kind that I've met. (laughs) But if she fits the bill, then she fits the bill. The only area I'm still slightly concerned about is truly—is she truly willing to let Jesus lead her life. She grew up going to church. Her grandmother, the most important uh, person in her life, is very active in her faith. Mac is definitely spiritually searching, trying to understand what her faith means to her. We went to church the very first Sunday together at Mountain Life. She didn't sing the songs, but seemed to be engaged with the sermon. She won me over on the weekend though. I was gone up in Idaho, the theme begins, with Briggs, but she went skiing at Snowbird and then church on Sunday on her own accord. Does it get better than that? No. I pray that her spiritual walk would come together with Jesus and make her the perfect bride. This next month will be a good taste and test for her to see how she handles long distance. Mac has an inquisitive mind, adventurous spirit, athletic body, and couldn't have picked a better one myself. Lord, if this is to work, it will be by your doing. So I lay her down at the foot of the cross, leaving her in your hands allows me to live life with a sense of freedom knowing I am enough with or without her. So I was writing this uh, journal entry as I was traveling back to Maine for a trip that I had already scheduled um, to go back for six weeks back in Maine from Park City. Of those six weeks, three of them I was working um, as a canoe guide on the Alagash River, so I was completely off the grid, um, leading these wilderness week-long canoe trips with clients. No way of contacting her. So it was an incredible gut check right off the bat to not like rush, you know, too quickly into things and like take that distance and space apart, and then kind of come back together and feel, feel the feel separately, and then coming back together and seeing is this something we want to do. I think it was tough for her, those first six weeks, but also really freeing that she, in that moment, and I think this is foundational. So many of you ask, how have you made it work, this long distance life that you lead? And I think this first six weeks was key in that, of we had this incredible experience getting to know each other, and then we took this time apart to make sure we still knew who ourselves were before we just fully poured ourselves into each other. I decided on this six weeks um, that she was the one. This six-week break, you know, I, I, we'd been, quote, you know, dating very briefly for two weeks. And uh, I had decided, yep, she's the one. And I went to our local jeweler, and I got a necklace. And I said, all right, when I travel back out and see her in August, I'm going to tell her I love her. <laughs> uh, so you don't just, you know, show up at the airport and tell her you love her. <clears throat> so she picks me up, and we go to this conference over in Colorado, and then after that, we go backpacking. And we go and backpack uh, Capitol Peak, which is one of the gnarliest 14ers in Colorado. Um, we just go right to the top, maybe. I mean, I just twist it and let it rip, you know? It's like there's no easing into it. There's no just walking on the cart path. Like, you know, it's unconditional love, but there's some conditions. <laughs> she's an incredible athlete, and it wasn't a test per se, but it was just something I really wanted to go and do. And uh, so we went on this hike. Now, all of you went on the, or not all of you, but a lot of you can picture or have been on the North Mountain hike at some point. And is Carrington here? Would you mind coming down front with me? Oh, she's like, oh god. This is what we call voluntolding. <laughs> do you remember when we were talking about the types of fun on our hike? At the beginning, do you remember Do you remember us talking about that? Can, can you help me describe the types of fun to our audience? If, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Can you help me, though? Or do you remember? You don't remember. <laughs> she doesn't remember. It might have been somebody else. Okay, I won't pressure you to that. It was her? Do you remember like the types of fun? Like one type, two type, three type? It was Elena. Elena. Okay. Get out of here. Elena, come down here. (laughs) Good sport though. Good sport. She was going to go with it as long as I was willing to run with it. (laughs) She was like, that's me. That's me. This is my moment. Okay. Okay. Types of fun. All right. What's type one fun? You're just speaking here.
1: Type 1 fun is like... No, it's not Okay, I think I remember this. I don't know. It was like a really quick conversation. Um, type 1 fun... I told my dad this. You know this.
0: Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm here.
1: Okay. Um, okay. So type 1, I think, is it's fun all the way through. It's like it's eating pizza. It's fun before. It's fun during. It's fun after. Type 2 fun is where it's not fun while you're doing it, but then it's fun afterwards, like in memory of it, like when you're doing the hike. It's not fun when you're doing it, but it's fun afterwards. You're like, oh, it was a great view. And then type three fun is like, it's fun while you're doing it, and then when you look back on it, it's not fun at all, like drinking. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) My words, not hers, don't put that on her.
1: Um, and then type four fun is like the debatable one because it's like not fun at all. It's not fun at the beginning <laughs> end. <or> <laughs> <better>.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. Nailed that. Thank you. <laughs> So for those of you who couldn't quite hear her, maybe type one fun, watching a movie, eating pizza, type two fun, uh, rhythms for some of you, most workouts, hiking mountains, type three fun, um, you know, yeah, obviously partying, but then like driving too fast, right? Anything where like the consequences is realized later and it's not so great. Um, yeah. And then type four fun is just miserable. Um, losing a loved one. Um, Pretty much going to the beach for me, getting sand in my sandwich. I just don't like going to the beach. It's really really type four fun for me. I know, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Types types of faith, folks. We got type one faith. Um, Being happy with fellow believers, rejoicing in God's blessing. It's easy. It feels good. It's awesome. It's it's not that it's not needed, but it's awesome. Type two faith when we really dig into that spiritual work in our lives. And CFO has a lot of type two faith and type one faith mixed in throughout the schedule. Right? There's some stuff in the schedule that's easier versus harder for us. Um, Type two faith can often be like leaning in, going deeper, as Pam has called us to do this week. For me, you know, that is humility, swallowing my pride. Leading not by dominance, um, but by example, as we talked about last night. Uh, one of my favorite uh, lines that I didn't get to share last night um, in terms of leading was being humble at your highest and being hopeful at your lowest. Be faithful at all times, and you can lead people anywhere. So I was leading uh, my soon-to-be bride, up Capitol Peak, uh, which is a really, really intense, uh, starts out backpacking, turns into just kind of like rock climbing, scrambling, solid, solid type two fun. Uh, Not a lot of type one fun, uh, but I think she was just like enamored. Uh, Oh my gosh, this person's amazing. I I think now it it would have a little different flavor. And uh, she, (laughs) oh yeah, yep. And we had a phenomenal time. You get up to the top of the kind of false summit, and then to get to the true summit comes the knife's edge, right? Uh, 3,000 feet on either side, just about like this. You just put the rock between your legs, and you just shimmy across it. Um, I was like, babe, don't look this up before we go on it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people falling off that part. But uh, she did great. Uh, she went right across, and uh, we're kind of in rock scrambling up the final peak. and We get a little off-route. And uh, it started to get pretty intense. Like full like hand over hand, class five climbing, no ropes. We have some helmets on. Helmets are always fascinating. There's nothing a helmet's gonna do. You just like fall and die. Uh, and it was the first, it was huge. This was a huge moment for me, so don't miss this. I had done a lot of this, all right? I had done a lot of adventuring, a lot of peak scrambling. It all of a sudden hit me that I was no longer with my ski team buddies. Who, if they fall off the side, well, it was their fault. They weren't holding on. All of a sudden, I was like, whoa, I got this girl into this, and she is my responsibility here. And if something happens to her, like that is fully on me. Like she got in under, like into this situation, not really knowing the full breadth of the situation. And a lot of times, I'm just up there with ski team guys, and it's just every man for himself, and like whatever. And, and not a lot of like fear and anxiety over, him. oh my gosh, is that guy gonna slip? This was like, Wow, it like hit me as she's just like scaling up with a big smile on her face. She's not worried in the slightest. I'm just like exuding confidence of like, yeah, you got this, babe. And inside, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, we get to the top and she makes it to the top. Um, I'm not really sure what would have happened had she not made it to the top when I give her the necklace, but uh, that was in God's plan. And uh, we get to the top, and we have this beautiful moment, and another gentleman comes up, and he had done all of the 14ers in Colorado, I think there's 60 or so, and he'd done most of them with his dog, and his dog had passed away, and he had his dog's ashes. So we had a moment of silence on the top, and he scattered the dog's ashes, um, which was like a great lead-in, right? You know, girls love dogs. She was already just feeling the love, Um, and... Then I go, I pull out the necklace. She's kind of peering off with her face on this rock, peering off in the distance. I pull out the necklace. I'm going to kind of, you know, present it to her and tell her I love her. And I say, Mac, and she turns around. And she has dog ash all over her face from the rock. The guy had, like, put a little bit on the rock, and she put her face on the rock. And and I was like, okay, can we clean that off? And it was such a hilarious moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, and here, by the way, here's this necklace. Uh, Of course, you, like, build it up in your mind, right, of, like, oh, this is going to be such a powerful moment. And then God throws some dog ash on her face. (laughs) And you just got to roll with it. Um, I give her this necklace, and... uh, You know, that was, you know, the engagement later was beautiful, but that in my mind was really, like, the moment of commitment for us. And, like, she cried when I gave her that necklace. She didn't cry when I proposed, which is, like, kind of interesting. Um, Just feeling that, like, that somebody really loved her. And, you know, she'd never been told before um, by a relationship that, like, hey, I love you. Um, And that was really powerful for her and for us. Uh, fast forward, we make it uh, down off of the peak and we got of get to like the safe zone, right? Where it's like not class five scrambling anymore. And I just sit down and say, "Mac, let's just take a break. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost just killed you. <laughs> and I kind of opened up to her, I was like, that was really intense right there. Like, I'm sorry. That like definitely was more than I was expecting, but like, great job, great job, but I'm sorry. Um, and that was, that was a pretty funny moment. Fast forward, we have an engagement. Um, so we, we were we were together for about two years. It was really important for me, for her to see out that next 2019, 2020 season of my ski season. I didn't want her to like rush into a relationship that she didn't really fully understand, right? Like to, to see someone through a full season of life and particularly in mine is like very applicable of seeing me through a ski season to understand what it means to be gone so much and how we're gonna make that work. Um, That was important to me. So we gave two years, then COVID hit, right? There was all of that very like challenging as I was on the East Coast and she was at West. Um, We eventually get engaged. And so we get engaged at the end of our second year, we do a year in engagement. And then last July, we get married. And then this is our first year uh, married. So we've been together like four years in total. And we get married. July 9th, up at Sugarloaf, up at a very similar setting to this, just on the side of a mountain with like a really big view, Um, not a shrine, but similar benches, and it's an amphitheater that my parents built for the church. So my dad uh, officiated our wedding. My mom did my brother, so my dad got to do me, which was cool. And it was a beautiful day, Uh, definitely like God divined. And uh, you might say, why? And I say, well, because it wasn't raining. Uh, there was no bugs, and it was sunny. That's a divine day in Maine. <laughs> it was a beautiful day. And uh, I want to read a Bible passage for you. And this, this passage was not read at our wedding, but it's the most common read wedding passage of all time, First Corinthians. But, little twist. Instead of using the word love, I've subbed my name in for love. Okay, so you hear this. Sam is patient, Sam is kind. He does not envy, he does not boast. He is not pride, he does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking, he is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Sam does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Sam never fails. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) When we put our names into it, and this kind of representing marriage and what I'm bringing to it, it seems impossible, right? I mean, how, how, how can we do that? And this is where we need God, because human love cannot deliver that kind of husband to my bride. So fast track to our honeymoon. Um, I'd left you on a cliffhanger, right, uh, with those photos and one of the pr- the first slides of we had dreamed up this plan to we've, we flew back to Utah and then we drove out to California. We got a one way U haul one way U haul rental in Northern California, put our bikes in the back and drove that U haul all the way to Washington, returned the U haul. And then biked all the way back to my truck along the whole coast of Oregon. Um, it took about eight days. It was 440 miles. We were riding like 50 to 60 miles a day. We, I mean, I had biked a lot. She'd biked a lot. But we have never like overnight bike pack. This was new for us. And it was a lot the first day. The first day you're like a total beginner. You like learn so much about like how to rig the bags and the bike and everything, and how to not drop stuff. And the first day was pretty exciting. We like went through some tunnels and across like a three mile long bridge, which when you're like riding a bicycle next to cars was pretty exciting. And it was magical time. Uh, we both had an absolute blast. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Matt goes, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here, the honeymoons, you know, the romance, the love, like you may not be getting a lot of that. And I'm like, no problem, babe. I've waited 26 years. I can wait another eight days. It's all good. And uh, we stayed in two Airmb- Airbnbs along the way, um, which was a nice respite from camping, because we were camping the whole time. We had like our tent and our sleeping bag on our bike. Um, we stayed in two Airbnbs, which was phenomenal. One was called the Blue Pearl in Yahats, Oregon. Has anyone been there? Okay, beautiful. Amazing, amazing. Um, it's just this, we'd stay in this little cabin perched right on this cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and it was a beautiful time. There was only one day of uh, uh, strife on the bike, I would say. Um, and it was pretty funny. Mac had just made some comment of, Some people rolling by on motorcycles saying, wow, gee, wouldn't that be nice (laughs) being on a motorcycle covering much distance? And I just was like insecure about like this being special and being like, can't you appreciate what we're doing right now? And she's like, I do, I do. Anyways, she got, you know, we don't fight. She just cries often. But in this instant, in this instant, she didn't cry. She went for her rage ride. And we still joke about it to this day. Um, And I just struck a chord in her. And she took off on that bike. And I couldn't catch her for hours. (laughs) We covered so many miles that day. It was only one day out of eight. That was a little rough. And uh, I eventually catch up to her. And... uh, we stop at this like bird sanctuary area, and we walk in, and we sit on these benches, and we probably talked it out for three, four hours. By the time we got back on the bikes, all was, all was good. Um, it was beautiful that we like, had that time and space on our honeymoon. We didn't have other things to do. Um, we just were able to get to a point that she was ready to talk, and we stopped and, on our bikes and talked, and then when we were done, we got back on our bikes and kept riding. It was, like, it was beautiful. Okay, we get to the end. We get to the end, and we load the bikes onto the truck, and we take all the bike bags off, and then we go to a rodeo in Crescent City, California. She'd never been to a rodeo. I was like, oh, this'll be fun. So we drive over and we park at this like Home Depot parking lot across from the rodeo, go to the rodeo, have a great time, come back, on the tailgate of my truck is some lilies. Some lilies, somebody left some lilies on the tailgate of my truck. Locks were cut, bikes were gone, stolen, oh. Brutal, and they left flowers. And you know, Mac just sees the good in everybody. She's like, they—they probably really needed them. That's why they left flowers. And I'm like, you don't steal bikes. Come on. You know, we're we're in the Home Depot parking lot. There's a camera looking right at the truck. I was like, come on. I thought this was safe. We call the police. They come over. Police officer, police woman was really nice. She goes, you're never going to see those bikes again. You know, there's just a lot of drugs in this area. They're probably just sold off. And that like almost hurt more to like hear the kind of the motivation for the theft in that if someone stole my bike and wants to go ride the Oregon coast, like, you know, I'll give you my bike if you want to do that. Like, that's awesome. Like, I want people to be out there. but then to like hear like, no, this is going to like go into their life to like help feed an addiction. Like, I don't want to be part of that in any way. And that like, that was really sad. Um, But then we had 12 hours drive back to Utah to kind of talk about this ending uh, of our trip. And we have noticed in our parents and in her parents, as they've gotten older, being a little bit more like paranoid and skeptical of the world Um, and, you know, kind of concerns of security and well-being and coming through, I know it's hard, it's hard to hear the stories, and, and it's really not my parents. I would say her father's a little more concerned about these things, and I don't know if it's coming from a place of, like, he's seen a lot, right? Um, but she's like, we, we didn't used to live like this, and now we, like, have cameras in our house and lock our doors, and that's, like, just, like, not the life that I feel, like, comfortable living, and so we're talking about, okay, well, we are faced. God has put before us a fork in the road of uh, we got our bike stolen, how are we going to move forward? I had renters insurance, you know, five hundred dollars deductible. We got a bunch of money back because these were really nice road bikes. It cost me five hundred bucks, and we said, "How often are we willing to pay that five hundred bucks?" And what does it mean to not be skeptical and paranoid about the world? And we kind of came to an agreement that said, "Hey, we want as a couple, and our intention." to approach the world as if it's full of friends that we haven't met yet. And instead of going through the world saying, you know, I don't, I don't know about that guy over there, he looks a little shady or a little scary, um, I, or I, I can't enjoy this event that I'm at because I left my bicycle outside and I'm really worried that someone's going to steal my bicycle. And it was really cool to talk through this with my wife. It's kind of like one of our initial intentions of marriage as we're beginning this life together, saying we don't want to be paranoid and skeptical and seeing the worst in the world. We want to walk as Jesus walked, seeing the best in the world. And when you put it in terms of like money of like, you know, every three to five years, am I willing to pay 500 bucks to live that way? Absolutely. I'm willing to get my bike stolen every three or four years. I get a new bike, <laughs> and you know, there's there's practices I do now that I didn't do before in terms of not getting our bike stolen. Like it's not that I just live exactly the same way. I got air tags. I put some air tags in our bikes, but I'm not angsting about them constantly. I'm not going to read it for you. You all know the story. The story of the Good Samaritan, right? Walking along the road, the different folks that pass by, and who is the one that stops the Samaritan. You know, why did those people pass by? They didn't want to deal with that problem. They were skeptical, they didn't want to get involved. They were kind of seeing the worst in the situation, right? And the Samaritan saw hey, uh, it was an opportunity to make a new friend. To help someone. Gentleman Marcus Corey, who did our premarital counseling, who I've spoken about a lot this week, uh, is the ski resort pastors at Loon Mountain and uh, Sister Mountain over in New Hampshire. He told me a story last week when we were out at Fast Camp that fits right into this and uh, i don't i don't want to go too much into the 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 kind of beginning of the story he's a great storyteller but basically he's got a pizza oven he does these big pizza cook off fundraising events and he had a gentleman reach out to him who said hey i want to come learn how to make pizzas from you and build my own pizza oven so this gentleman had been pestering him on facebook and marcus admittedly had kind of been ghosting him and just like oh, i've got so much going on like i can't respond to you like i'll let you know when the next pizza events happening And next pizza event rolls around, Marcus forgets to reach out to this guy. Pizza event happens. That afternoon, Marcus pulls into a gas station. And this gentleman comes like swerving in on a car. And like pulls right up to the pump, like right in front of him. And like gets out of his car. And Marcus is like, oh my gosh, this is the guy. He'd never met this uh, pizza inquirer. But Marcus is just like, this is the guy. Clearly, like, clearly he's upset I didn't tell him about that we were having a pizza event, and he, you know, I, I told him, and Marcus just, like, immediately has all this, like, personal guilt and shame, and just runs up and is like, hey, Jim, and gives him a big hug. I'm so sorry for not reaching out to you. This guy kind of takes the hug and then takes a step back. I'm not Jim. <laughs> what are you talking about pizzas? <laughs> Marcus is like, okay. But the guy's like standing there in a way that like he wants something from Marcus still. And Marcus's like, Marcus is a good main boy. Well, how can I help you? If you're not looking for pizza, what can I do for you? And the guy's like, I just got a flat tire and was hoping you could help me change it. (laughs) Uh, It was an older gentleman, I think, in the end, Marcus was saying, and there wasn't a spare. Anyways, you know, Marcus tried changing a tire, it wasn't happening. Uh, But the, the, the gentleman was in a rush to get to Burlington Airport to pick up his wife from the airport. And Marcus goes, oh, no problem. Here, here's the keys to my car. Just met the man, gave him the keys to the church's Honda Fit. And, uh, you know, at first the man's like, what? And Marcus is like, no, please, please take my car. And this guy, I can't imagine what's going on inside his head. First, this guy gives me a huge hug, talking about pizzas. Then he tries to help fix my tire unsuccessfully, and then he wants to give me his car. Uh, so God was definitely working in this guy's life too. Um, and he takes the keys, takes the keys and takes off in the car to go get his wife. Talk about not living paranoid and skeptical about the world. Like there's so many like bad things that could happen there, right? I mean, the guy steals your car, the guy gets in an accident with the car, what's the insurance say? This is a bad idea in a lot of ways. But this is how I want to live life and how I believe we're called to live life. We're not there yet. (laughs) It doesn't matter if the car came back or not. You know, Marcus gave that car, knowing, you know what, it might never come back. Sure enough, later that afternoon... The gentleman returned to New Hampshire with his wife. His car had gotten fixed. And he dropped the car off at the church with the keys in the, in the, uh, on the seat. And Marcus never saw that guy. He just dropped off the car. Marcus just saw it there the next day. How do you want to go through life? And I was faced with that question beginning this love story with my wife. Last year, we were in a season of walking through the doors that opened. Um, we didn't take a registry for our uh, wedding. We'd just taken like, gifts and cash. We were saving for a down payment on a home. And um, we had started renting from one of my coaches a condo in Park City, Utah. And we'd been talking to him about, would he be willing to sell it to us? We got married in July. And we were hoping to buy it in the fall. But he was pretty like wishy-washy on whether or not he wanted to sell it. And Mac has some student debt as well. And we, we just kind of said, we say Lord, we have this set amount of money. And in the fall, um, please sh- open a door for us. Either, you know, can we buy this condo? And if not, okay, we're going to pay off some student debt. You know, the student, paying off the student debt, that door is always open. By the way, they'll always take your money. Uh, and we just kind of left it to God. And really didn't think about it and angst about it. We just kind of left it there. And, you know, kind of saved this nest egg. And sure enough, in the fall, uh, my coach, who'd owned this condo, uh, said, guys, I'm going to propose to my longtime girlfriend and move up to Jackson Hole. And he ended up selling us this condo, which was incredible uh, for, for amazing discount, uh, in Park City, Utah. And we got to build a home together in Park City, which is amazing. <laughs> For those of you young homeowners, you know uh, the feeling and on a very, you know, transient, whatever you want to call it, up and down income level that I have in my sport, it's a scary endeavor to walk into, Um, even right now, you know, month to month, mortgage to mortgage payment. Uh, until my skiing can like, begin to provide more. She has a full-time job. She's definitely the breadwinner and is able to carry us through some of this right now, but it's a trying time like financially, and it's been really cool. We have a renter staying in the other room. Right now, we're looking for a renter. It's been one of the things I've pre- been praying on. We had a lady living with us throughout the winter, um, but we're looking for a new renter to come in and kind of offset some of those costs. And I I've, have feel my faith was strengthened throughout this winter. Because as I pray to God over this simple thing of, Lord, please provide us with a renter to help offset the cost, I do it out of pure belief and faith in God and not angst. And I don't really know how to like explain that because I've prayed with angst before, but I don't pray this prayer with angst. Not necessarily saying, oh yeah, he's going to provide somebody immediately, but that God, God's got a plan. If he's not going to provide someone, we're going to use that space for something else. One final note I want to make um, before moving on to rhythms. Uh, I talked to some teens uh, about a great podcast that I listened to for a number of years before meeting Matt via Breakaway Ministries. It's the Christian group on Texas A&M campus. Um, if you scroll deep in the archives and Breakaway, there's just some phenomenal podcasts on like, Christian dating um, that really helped me in my process of getting to a place that I was ready to receive um, Mac from God. Uh, and a final, final note of what does love bring about in my life with God, in my life with skiing, in my life with my wife. And I've shared this line with some of the, uh, folks individually in this camp, but uh, a pa- the pastor of my local church now in Park City, Utah, shared this uh, sometime in the last year. I wrote it down, and it's on a chalkboard in our house. And it says... That the joy that we experience is the byproduct of love. Joy is a byproduct of love. So, if the joy of the Lord is my strength, right, we all know that line, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and if joy is the byproduct of love, then my love for the Lord. Becomes my source of strength. Amazed there, working that around. And there is joy in suffering. When we love something so deeply, I, I've, many of you have said, your children, right? You love them so deeply and they bring you joy, but there's also suffering, constant worry and difficult challenges facing with them. And it's the same way with a sport. I love the sport of ski racing. It brings me such joy, but there is suffering in that joy. So our theme of 2022 for my wife and I have been walking through the doors that open. For my final talk, um, well, we have a couple more, but Uh, In one of my final talks, I'm going to touch on our theme for 2023. Some of you may chuckle at this, uh, but the theme is to do a few things well. So that's coming up in our next talk. Would you close us in prayer? Dear God, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, and I pray that you would show us how to love hard, that type two style. Those who are hard to love, those things that are hard to love, that is where we will find the greatest joy. Go now in love. Amen.